Welcome back, everyone, to Point of Sale, where we break down great retailers and the data and technology that move their supply chains. Uh, we're going to have a full ladies episode. It's going to feel like great, great quarter gals, except for minus Kaylee and a completely different show. Uh, so get excited. We're going to learn a lot about uh, female founders, female empowerment, and how we're looking to fix a lot of the issues that are happening around the globe, not just self-centered within the U.S., uh, but more Importantly, we're going to start off the show by talking about a interesting index, a little number of indexes that focus on the sales and products that women love to, to indulge ourselves in. And indulgence in a time like this, you look at recessionary periods, can change, right? I uh, go from uh, pre, uh, right around the beginning of COVID, where we we're willing to spend really anything that would bring us some joy inside our own homes. And now, as we sl- start going back out to public, going to events, going to different uh, concerts uh, across the US, our indulgence changes a little bit. And that's what we've had the joy of covering here at Freight Waves over the past couple of months. But let's look at it from this more female angle. This last week, I stumbled upon an interesting index, right? All of our Sonar users out there, you guys know we are fans of all types of indexes, and we might as well add a few more to that list today. Uh, The first is going to be the Lipstick Index. Now, we've had an episode before where I definitely shared with you guys my overindulgence in lipstick as a huge uh, makeup fan and collector. Honestly, you could say collector at this point as well. And actually, the lipstick index is something that's been used in the past to gauge recessionary periods. Now, does it work or not? Uh, we'll figure that out by the end of this segment. It was actually coined by the wonderful Leonard Lauder, of course, the chairman of Estee Lauder. And it described uh, and came out in 2000s when we were going through that recession, when we saw this increase in sales. Now, what was happening was women were substituting expensive purchases for just a small amount of joy. And we all can admit when we get a new shade or we get a new lipstick, it, it makes us feel a little bit different. And if we theoretically think through it, right, it's a little bit different than going out and getting drinks with our friends. It's a lipstick that we can use over and over again, uh, but not past the expiration date, ladies. Make sure you check those. Uh, and it's a, it is a way to feel a little bit more empowered, right? Especially as we take off these masks now or going back into society. Uh, lipstick for me was the one thing I didn't purchase throughout the pandemic. So over the past couple of months, specifically between January and June, we saw a 28% increase in revenue uh, for lipstick sales. And think about it. I mean, look at the price increases across. We've got about 10.9% inflation on food, 5.1% inflation on apparel, only 2% inflation on lipstick. So yes, ladies, as you go out there and you once again indulge yourself like you did in the 2000s with maybe that new shade that's going to just pep you up on the next Monday as you head to work, know that you're not the only one out there. And uh, it's actually, this index has changed over time. There's other types of products, specifically more feminine products that people have noticed uh, are reactive during recessionary periods. During 2008, uh, we saw a huge uptick in nail polish sales uh, because why? Well, let's avoid the nail salon prices, right? It can get very expensive, but not as expe- nowhere near as expensive as a couple of dollars for a new uh, nail polish shade. 
As of recently, we've actually seen another index start to play, the perfume index. This one is pretty interesting. Uh, we all know is you're going to go out there and spend money on maybe luxury bags or luxury uh, brands in general. Most of those brands do sell perfumes. Well, we've seen a huge uptick in perfume sales as well, for example. Instead of buying a new Prada bag, you're likely going to at least go and grab a Prada perfume. So you can have that little splurge, but be more considerate of your finances. Uh, one in particular, as you can tell from these roots that I've been really pushing out and uh, will change next week, is hair care uh, index. Uh, there's been a huge increase in hair care sales, especially luxury hair care items uh, and at-home dyes. So women, we all know there's a certain amount of time that you can go before this atrocity happens. And uh, most of us have been pushing it out clearly a little bit longer than we should. And so what do we do? We spend a little bit less at the salon and we splurge a little bit more for those um, conditioning oils or those uh, in this specific situation, uh, dry shampoos, uh, in order to make sure that our hair stays the same texture, maybe glows a little bit more, but isn't the same as dropping, uh, well, it depends on your hairstylist, but up to a couple hundred dollars at the salon. Yes, uh, for all those husbands, boyfriends, etc., be shocked. It takes money to make us look this good sometimes. And uh, so overall, though, are these indexes correct? Do they actually showcase the re recession? Can, for example, Estee Lauder start to see their uh, increase in sales in certain items and say, you know what, a recessionary period is happening? Well, probably not. The unfortunate thing, and I think we've even mo motioned this in a couple of our own indexes re recently, is it's really too small of a data set to make such a huge assumption on. But at the end of the day, it's something really interesting to consider. If you're uh, looking at some of these public luxury companies uh, on the stock market and wondering why you're seeing them increase or exponentially go up and down in certain periods, that is why. So hopefully uh, you guys all think twice and, and ladies, you deserve that lipstick. So go out there and go get that. And speaking of phenomenal women, I got a really great chance last week to talk to a new founder I have never met and have just been blown away by, uh, Carla Valdivesco. She is the founder and CEO of Shopee. They just announced today that they raised an additional $2 million to help grow their application. Carla, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I appreciate it. And congratulations. What a fun day to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Grace. It's so nice to see you again. Yes, no, it's great to see you. And it's, like I said, fun day to have you on. Congratulations to you and your team. Well-deserved at this Thank announcement. You. And I would love if you could uh, explain, uh, well, tell us first about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, and what influenced you to, to build out Shopee. Because I think for a lot of Americans here, this is a concept that we would almost never consider when it comes to like this travel logistics type of technology. Yeah, thank you so much, Grace. So um super excited to share the news today with Fundraise. Um, a little bit about me. So I'm from Ecuador in South America. I've lived in the U.S. and Ecuador as well. Um, the reason why we started Shopee is because, as you said, may maybe not a lot of people know this, but um, we purchase a lot of U.S. products. Uh, outside the U.S. and they're not available in our countries. So just to give an idea, 
There's only two Apple stores in the whole content. We don't have Amazon. We don't have Walmart. We don't have any of the brands that we can go out and buy items from. So, and we rely a hundred percent on American products and they are super expensive. So, um, we use Shopee to be able to connect people that want those items and they want those items to be brought by someone who's traveling from the U.S. Yeah, it makes sense, right? If you got a little extra room in your suitcase, why not go ahead and grab these items and bring them back? And I guess, could you explain a little bit of why these items are more expensive in Latin America and why it's more difficult to um, to find these goods? And if you do find these goods, what makes them really unreasonable to buy within Ecuador or Latin America itself? Yeah, any place outside the U.S., any product that is sold here is extremely expensive, just to give an idea. The new iPhone, if you want to purchase it, unlock here, will be $1,000. Outside the U.S., in Latin America, you'll pay 3000 to $4,000 for that phone. Um, the reason why it's so expensive is because we don't have the brands. We don't have the physical stores, and we don't have the logistics to be able to have those um, items be delivered, Right. So one of the things that, that people do when um, they're, they're trying to get those items, they just go with a reseller to obtain those things and they pay three, four times the U.S. mark price. And if they, those people wanted to, let's use a FedEx or anything like that, once they go and purchase into the online store, let's say Amazon, you'll get a beautiful message that says, this item is not able to be delivered to your country. So you really don't have too, too many options to get those things delivered to you or even purchase them locally outside the U.S. Yeah, makes sense. It's uh, I know I, doing research and looking into your, uh, the circumstances more of what you grew up in, it's, uh, you've got higher taxes that are going to increase a lot of those imports that you bring in. You have uh, not as much infrastructure. So the logistics of even getting these into different areas within Latin America is difficult as well. So uh, this is definitely an area that needs help. And uh, Thankfully, you're here to tackle those problems. How does Shappy work? Like, how does it? How does a user, both as a consumer and a traveler, in this case, work within your application? Yeah, so it's really simple. Think of us as the international postmates. So you go into the app and you request the items that you want to. Uh, get them delivered to you. In this case, you can request from several store at the same time. So from Amazon, Apple, Walmart, any of the stores. And then once you pay the delivery fee, you get matched automatically, just like any Uber or any kind of those type of uh, business within three seconds with a verified traveler who's coming back from the U.S. to the destination, in this case in Ecuador, where we're operating right now. And then um, you will purchase that product directly to the online store it gets to the traveler, the traveler um, packs the item into back, travels back to South America. And once they arrive, um, we picked everything up and we do last mile delivery. Um, something really interesting about our business is that because we're working with new um, products, everything comes delivered through directly from the warehouse, from the e-commerce. So there's a lot of safety around what the travelers are carrying with them at all times. Oh, perfect. So it's like 
it's almost like streamlined in a way. It's it is a really almost like a longer Instacart situation. They're literally picking that from the warehouse and and taking it just longer distances to the end consumer. Uh, that's incredible. And uh, what's the vetting process like for those travelers so that you and and uh, people in Ecuador could understand that it is going to get here safely? Yeah, so um, we do a lot of things in terms of safety for both parties at all times because it's it's a uh, it, it's in our DNA. So something really important to mention is once you you do this kind of things, you request things to travelers for anyone who lives outside the U.S. This is very common. We used to request it to family and friends when they happen to be traveling, which is not very often. So we took uh, DNA parts or DNA and we put it into a smart technology that will allow people to request these things to to travelers who are essential um strangers and the part of strangers for us it was the the most important thing was to make sure that it was safe at all times for both parties for the traveler to know what they carry at all times and of course for the consumer to be able to not be able to to think that something's going to happen to the purchase so the verify it, Traveler is one of the most um, advanced things that we have in our platform because once a, a traveler wants to become a verified, they go through a process of biometrics information and there's funnels and different filters for them to become travelers that we only allow a certain amount of person to to become and be able to to work through us because of our, our safety uh, filters. That's really, really interesting. I it's all- <laughs> At the top of my head, I almost wonder what it would be like if we had that for even truck drivers and, and down to even like our Uber drivers here in the United States. That, that's an incredible process. And even more so now, you've got these really incredible investor partners behind you, um, 50% of whom invested in the second round as well. Uh, what are you looking to do with that new capital and, and how are you looking to leverage those partnerships that you now have? We're super excited to to have all um, these amazing investors. Um, not they're just not investors; they're operators, and that's something that we loved because we have investors that have been in the industry of logistics. And for us, it's really important to have those kind of people that have the knowledge to take this to the next level. So, taking this to the next level, we're going to be launching a new uh, version of the app, um, and we're going to be expanding to new cities in Latin America as well as growing our our, our funding team. Love that. And let's be honest, you are, I mean, uh, you're a couple of years older than me, barely. Uh, I was telling her during our previous interview uh, how easy she really makes me feel. This is incredible. I mean, it's great to see women in this industry. I rarely get to have female founders on this show. And I'm wondering for you as a young female, what's it like looking and raising capital in the U.S.? And, and what hurdles do you, do you have to overcome in doing so? I think more than just being a female founder, I think founder in general, any founder in general, raising capital, it, it it's something that you just have to keep learning from um, your business as much as you can, listen to the data, be able to know the metrics of where you're going, what your North Star is. And of course, um, it's... It, I wouldn't say that it's disadvantageous to, to be a woman and be raising capital because of the ads of the... the the percentage of people that raise capital and um, being women. But um, I do want to say that it, it was difficult. It was difficult not because uh, it's, it's just difficult because you have to 
you have to keep on learning and you have to keep on and being at the level that you you could be to be able to fundraise. So um, I think like one of the things that most admire from other investors and, and other female founders that have raised capital is constantly being able to learn that no, what is behind that no, and be able to to make that better into a yes. I love that. Uh, and I think that's a quality all of us women have, right? We hear no in any situation, even logistics, right? That's what makes us so good at this industry. If we can't get it there, well, why not, right? And that's always the question that comes next. So I love that answer and it's it's true to heart. And for any women that are watching the show and, and have maybe a, a great idea of how they could help this industry or start their own freight tech type of company, what's a piece of advice that you would give them on day one of that journey? Hiring is the most important thing that I can, the piece of advice I can give you, your A team, your nine and tens, that's the people are going to be site with you and they're going to, they have to know more than you. That's, that's the, the secret sauce there. Um, and <laughs> other, yeah, they have to know more than you, that you, they have to, because otherwise, uh, if you know more than them, you're just going to be a micromanaging team, which is not what you want to be able to keep on growing. Um, also listening to the data, it's really important. Listen to the data, quantitative and qualitative data to users to understand what they need, because sometimes you build things that you might think they might need and it turns out, they just didn't use it or then won't use it. And then you spend so much time building that. And my last advice is execute. Execute as fast as you can. A-B testing because you're going to be uh, changing and innovating your product every single day. And um, being a female founder, sometimes we just want to have the ducks in a row and make sure we have everything perfect before mm-hmm. we do something. And in my case, I learned that that's not the way to do it, is to be able to say, okay, I need a minimum of this to be able to execute and to be able to learn and take it to the next level. So I think that's that's the, the path that I would, my advice for any female founder into a logistics space. I love that. That's absolutely great advice. And not only are you one of the first female founders that I've had on the show, uh, you are new to the show, which means you get to play a fun game that we have here called What Kind of Consumer Are You? Where we dive into a couple of different trends that are out there and uh, see exactly what type of consumer you are. And the first one being that champion is how it is. How, do you use any apps to buy your groceries? Do you have them delivered to you or do you go to the grocery store directly? If I can have any excuse to get out of my office, I would. So um, <laughs> I, will, I, I like to just go and pick up myself. But if I don't have time, I, I use anything like DoorDash or Instacart or any of those apps to be able to get delivered. But once again, I tried as much as I can to just have that excuse to be able to get out and and, and just be able to get some fresh air. <laughs> I will say I'm exactly the same, and especially now at that period where like the sun sets here at like seven that's like i go to the store now at like 7 30 and get to walk around and, and people watch and and hopefully not buy too many groceries so i i used to be full-on shipped all day but i have weaned off of that that's for sure uh this one is coming back uh do you still go to the movie theaters and if so what was the last movie that you saw Oh my God. So last time I went to a movie theater, it was before COVID. And I think, I think it was what, a Disney movie. I'm not sure what it was, but it's been so long that I haven't. No, but I will go back. I've, I've, I've seen a few movies that I'm interested in. 
Uh, but definitely that's something on my to-do list. Yeah. It's tough. They make everything on demand within like two weeks. So you always have to like kind of second guess yourself. This last one. And, and again, I've, I ask this question all the time and I'm usually asking it to men. So this is like the funniest question to ask guys. Uh, have you ever bracketed a, a purchase of clothes? So bracketing for when out there is when you go and you, you buy clothes online, but you're not sure what sizes it's going to be. So you buy multiple sizes usually sending one or two back. Uh, have you ever done this before? <laughs> so it's so interesting because before COVID, I would say no, but things change. Um, uh, <laughs> user behavior change, consumer behavior change. Um, I don't I don't get a lot of things and then I turn them back. I usually now know exactly what I'm going for, but in the case that I do want to try something new, I do get as much as I can. And something that is just stuck with me and I, I I think because we're we're um animals of habit um I don't go to fitting rooms anymore so I just get <laughs> things that I want and I try them out at home and I just go back later and maybe return and sometimes I don't have time to return and I'm like stuck with things and I'm like I shouldn't have bought that <laughs> I'm only laughing because I literally have two swimsuits and like, yeah, it's clearly out of season that I did the same thing for <laughs> that. I'm like now fully regretting not taking back. So it's the same. It, it honestly <laughs> makes me more upset because now I'm thinking that like there's brands out there that are truly winning off of people like you and me are just too lazy to go down the street. <laughs> well, in your case, you're busy building the next uh, travel logistics app. In my case, we're just too lazy to go down the street or turn it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think so there should be a marketplace for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, that's your next idea right there. Uh, thank you so much, Carla, for being on the show with us. Where can people go learn about, learn more about the application and reach out to you directly as well? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn or they can go to shappy.com to find more information about our funding and what our vision is for the next uh, year to come. Love that. Well, we'll have you on the show again soon. We've got to get you a great quarter, gals. That'll be a good one with Kaylee, too. Thank you so much. And, and go celebrate with Thank your team. So what a much. fun day for you guys. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Of course. Thank you so much, Grace. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> you too. And of course, for everyone out there, we are not only a wonderful podcast visual show, we are a community that comes with a newsletter bi-weekly. So make sure you guys go to www.freightwaves.com slash uh, POS and you can get that newsletter uh, and sign up for that as well. We'll have one coming out later tonight too. And uh, also I'm going to plug another community while I have the time here. Uh, soon, actually next week on the 25th and you can figure out how many weeks away that is. Uh, I will be on Check Call, our 3PL community and podcast show run by Mary O'Connell. I'm sure you all know and love her. Uh, of course, you've seen probably her show this month has been rebranded for this spooky time that it is uh and as most of you uh, most people that know me well uh, this is my one of my favorite seasons i'm a big ghost fan i love spooky stories and i love making stories spooky at the same time even if they're really not and so her and i have a really great episode coming up in a couple of weeks on the 25th uh where we share spooky stories spooky freight stories for everyone out there so if you've ever spent time at a brokerage i'm sure a couple of those stories uh will really uh make you smile and maybe scare you a little bit if you haven't experienced those situations yet and of course, 
Uh, Monday through Friday, I have a wonderful radio show on Sirius XM called Drive Time. Monday through Friday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and rebroadcast from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on the Road Dog Trucking Channel, Channel 146 on Sirius XM. You can catch me talking to investors, uh, drivers, uh, entrepreneurs, all types of people within our freight industry. Uh, tonight, you can catch me with Mary O'Connell as well. And also, we will have the new head of refrigerated logistics for work, Jake McPaul. So uh, go and check that out. And also, let's say you missed an episode, but you have SiriusXM. You can also listen about two weeks back on your app on demand as well. So other than that, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Ladies, go out there and splurge. Get yourself a lipstick. Get you some nail polish. And everyone else, enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you next week.